So in war, they say that if you know your enemy, you'll win 50% of your battles. If you know your army, your what's available to you, you'll win 50% of your battles. But if you know your enemy and you know yourself, you'll win 100% of your battles. Okay? So we're going to identify the enemy. Because what you don't identify, you'll be defeated by. You need to write that down. What you don't identify, you'll be defeated by. So we're going to identify who the enemy is, what he's trying to do, and we're going to see how easy it is for us to win in, in Christ Jesus. Amen? So 1 Peter chapter 3, this is our uh, scripture for today that we're going to be camping on a little bit. 1 Peter chapter 3, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified, and he says this, verses 8 and 9, he says, be well balanced, be temperate, be sober of mind, be vigilant and cautious at all times. So another translation says, be watchful. It says, for the enemy of yours, the devil, now let's just pause for a second. If you don't think the devil's real and demons are real, you're already defeated. Because even the world, you know, you, you got the, the people in their chakras and the, and the woo-woos, and they talk about angels, and an angel came and visited me, and angels are bringing money to my door, and all that crazy stuff. They'll talk, the world talks about angels all the time, but no one wants to talk about the demons because they don't think they exist. If an angel exists, then demons exist too. But guess what? There's more that are with us than that are with them. And we don't want to magnify the enemy. We don't want to magnify angels. What we want to do is we want to draw you closer to Jesus and closer to God. But so you have to identify the enemy. And it says the enemy, the devil, the enemy of yours, the devil roams around like a lion. Not a lion, but like a lion. Roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Next verse. Withstand him. Be firm in faith against his onset. Be rooted. Be established. Be strong. Be immovable. This is what faith is. Faith is strong. It's rooted. It's immovable. And it's determined knowing that the same identical sufferings that you're going through is happening throughout the world. Because see, the enemy, he would like to tell you this. You're in this alone. Does anybody ever feel alone? We all do. This week I was praying and I was like, man, something's going on. And I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for the church. And I kept hearing that song, uh, Hope's Anthem, Let Hope Arise. Because there's somebody in here that was on social media or whatever that was losing their hope. That, man, I just don't know if I can handle this much. Where I've been believing God for all this time. I just feel alone. I'm here to tell you today that you're not alone. Say, I'm not alone. And I'm here to tell you that you need to get your hope back. You know what hope is? It's not a wish. It's not, well, maybe. I just hope so. You need to have a confident expectation that what God said about you and for you is coming to pass. It's coming to pass. And so he says, hey, the enemy, he's messed with you. He's jacked with you. He's trying to hurt you. 
but withstand him. Don't hold back what you're believing God for. See, all the enemy does, it says he's like a roaring lion. It says that he uh, pretends, basically. He's not even a lion. He pretends. What does a lion do? We're going to look at that a little bit. A, a lion, he roars, right? And he's loud, and he does all these things to intimidate you and to take territory. The devil, he does not want you to gain what's rightfully yours. He wants to keep you in his territory. Right? So we're going to look at a little bit about, about some lions, okay? Uh, and let me tell you about the first thing that I noticed about lions. Kind of studied this out, um, read some things. The first thing about lions are this. Lions are nocturnal. Write that down. Lions are nocturnal. And, and like, why are you telling me that, that lions are nocturnal? <laughs> I'm going to tell you. But I want to establish something first. The devil is not your friend. You know that? Has anybody ever watched one of those? I'm a movie guy, and I watch those movies, and you just, there's this, this enemy, the nemesis, the, the one that's just heartless. And you think, like, okay, you know, he defeated some guy, and then he walks away. He's already established that he's dominated, and he just goes back and goes, boom, you know, tap, tap, two in the head. I'm like, why did you do that? You didn't, you didn't need to do that? Like, just heartless, ruthless. And that's how the devil is. There's no remorse in his life for you. He hates you. He's constantly accusing you before the throne. It says he's the accuser of the brethren. He's constantly going to God trying to throw false accusations up. Even some of them are true. Always trying to get one over on you. Always trying to steal, kill, and destroy. He can't stand you. So let's just establish that right now. He hates you. He wants to kill you. He wants to take you out, take your family out, take your finances out, take your life out. But Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. So we've already won. But see, why, are, why am I talking about lions? Why am I talking about that they're nocturnal? Because in the daytime, they're not really that much of a problem. There's a minister that I know, and he and his family went to Africa on this big, huge trip years back. And as they were on this trip to Africa, they were there for like two weeks. And when they were there, uh, he had these two tour guides with him, these two Africans with him. And one of the Africans' uh, name was Solomon. So, okay, great. Hopefully he's wise. Uh, <laughs> and the other African's name was Blessing. So you're like, hey, you've got wise Blessing with me here. So <laughs> that's feel pretty good about myself. And then these two awesome rifles, each one had a rifle, high-powered rifle, and they would uh, take them out for in the, in the bush six to eight hours for the day, like exploring everything. And they were in this big truck, and this big truck, it had no doors on the side. It was the kind that could seat like eight people. It was a real long one, you know, almost like a van. And they're cruising around, like, oh, look at that lion. Oh, look at that giraffe. Oh, look at that elephant. And they're, they're driving around, and, and uh, they're like, what's the deal with these lions? Why? Well, they're just laying around all day and just sleeping and chilling. In the daytime, it's like, there's not a problem with lions. In the daytime, they're, they're pretty much a nocturnal animal. They sleep throughout the day. But at night, they're very dangerous. 
It's just like the devil. In the daytime when you're up and you're around and you're, you're you know, I, I'm ready. You know, come at me, devil. Come on. I got the word for you today. Come on. I've been listening to this on the podcast or YouTube. Yeah, come on. You want some of this? He's like, no, 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 no. No, I'm not going to mess with you today. Uh-uh. I'm just going to lay back. I'm going to wait till it gets dark. Right? See, the enemy would love for you to put your guard down at night. So they're out there going all throughout the stuff in the daytime. And, and finally at night, they had these little, you know, cabins, kind of like pods. And then there's this one big main cabin where they would go eat. And so the guide, Solomon, or blessing one of them, he says to him, he goes, hey, I need you to stay in your cabin. Do not open the door until you hear me knock, okay? And they're like, why? Well, they said, all the predators come out at night to hunt. It says, like a roaring lion. So they're coming out at night to hunt. And he goes, do not open the door. And so, you know, this, this minister, he was, <laughs> he was getting pretty hungry. He had been 15 minutes late when the, past when the guy was supposed to be there. And he's like, babe, uh, let's go. Opens the door. She goes, shut the door, Jimmy. <laughs> shut the door. He's like, what? We're late. We can, I can see the light right there. There it is. I mean, it was probably like, you know, 50 yards away. I can see him. We'll just go. She goes, shut the door. Oh, fine. Shuts the door. 15 more minutes goes by. He goes, like, this is ridiculous. I am starving. Maybe they forgot about us. Opens the door again. She goes, shut the door, Jimmy. Are you going to kill us? What is going on? He goes, Come on, really? It's right there. I can see these other people walking over to him. Why don't we? We can make it. It's easy. I'm sure we can get there. He's like, shut the door. He shuts the door, you know. Thank God for a good wife. He's not thinking that at the time. <laughs> Finally, 20 minutes later, we're talking 50 minutes, almost an hour, he hears a knock on the door. He's like, oh, finally, God. Opens the door, blessings there, and he goes, Hey, I'm so sorry, so sorry that I, I could not come uh, because the reason I couldn't come is a leopard was hanging out around your door the past hour. He's like, um, a leopard? You mean the door that I just opened two times? Where I, so this leopard was waiting in the darkness for him to step out so he could pounce on him. Because if you know anything about lions or leopards or cats, the larger it breeds, what they do is they stalk you. And they wait till they can jump on you from behind and grab you by the neck and snap it and eat you alive. I know that's kind of morbid. <laughs> it's kind of gross. Can you imagine that? Oh, I'm feeling everything. <laughs> but I said all that to say this. The enemy's waiting for you. He wants to come out at night. He wants to get in those dark places of your life because if he can keep you in those dark places, he can destroy you every time. Say, I'm not going to be destroyed. See, the word brings light. As long as we stay in the light, we're safe every time. So stay in the light. Expose those lies. Expose those things that are hidden in darkness. When you expose those things, then suddenly you get free and everything seems so much easier. Now let me tell you another thing about uh, lions. Lions are paravisional. That's a made-up word, by the way. I couldn't think of a better word. So they're paravisional. They're not optivisional. They're paravisional. And here's what that means. They can see better in the dark than even. They can actually see six times better at night than we can. 
So it's obvious we don't want to mess with them at night. But they're paravisual. And if you ever noticed a, a circus, if you've ever seen the circus, I talked about this briefly last week. They can go up to a lion and they can have this stool and they'll hold it in front of the stool and they'll move it around. And you'll see the lion and they're kind of doing this. And they're, <laughs> rah, and rah, and they're just mesmerized by this stool and thinking, what is the deal? Well, they can't focus on one thing very well. As a matter of fact, they have a hard time with their eyes looking peripherally. They cannot look very easily left to right. And so they have to move their whole head and their whole body. So, so what happened is they're out there, um, this same guy, they're out there driving around and he sees all these lions and some of them were awake and they're, because at night, they would go out at night with the, with the scouts and that was kind of crazy. But they would go out and the lions, check this out, would run alongside of this open, open truck, no doors. They would run alongside and they would use the truck as a, a, a shield. They would use it because this is their stealth mode. And so they went and then they come up on these buffalo, and all of a sudden the lions would jump out in front of the truck and chase after the buffalo. They wouldn't go after the whole herd. They would only go after the one that fell away or the weaker one. And he was asking him, he's like, why are they not jumping in the truck and trying to eat me? I mean, much easier than these. He goes, well, they can't really see you like that. All they see is one big thing. That's why they don't go after the whole herd. They go after the one that's weak or the one that's uh, fallen away to the side. They can't see you individually, but the moment you step out, he goes, if you step out of this truck right now, you're dead. As a matter of fact, um, there was a a Japanese couple that the guy told him a story. He goes, there was a Japanese couple, and the father stepped out of the truck to take, in the daytime, in the daytime, to take a picture of this lion, and another one jumped on behind him, killed him in front of his entire family. Horrible, horrible. What did you guys learn at church today? Well, the lions kill people. It's amazing. Families were, no, (laughs) I'm not telling you that just to get you messed up. What I'm trying to tell you is this. Stay in your boat. Stay in your truck. Here's what your truck is. Here's what your boat is. It's in Christ Jesus. It says in Psalms, it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, the name, and are safe. When you stay in Christ Jesus, the devil can't see you. All he can see is Jesus. And so when you're dealing with insecurities, when you're dealing with issues, maybe they're physical, maybe they're relational, you're like, nope, in the name of Jesus, he says that he's my healer. In the name of Jesus, he's my strength. And so when the devil comes at you working on all these lies, what you have to do is say, nope, in the name. All right? So what do we do? We say, in the name. So we stay in the name of Jesus because these things these, these attacks from the enemy, these assignments that are working against us, they're actually set up to fail as long as you stay in the name of Jesus. Knowing who you are in him. See, the biggest thing that he's trying to get you uh, to sway off of or to kind of get away from the pack of the body of Christ is your identity. He wants to try to rob you of your identity, of who you are in him, who you are in Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, there was one time, you know how like little cats, they kind of 
You guys, anybody have a cat or been around a cat? You know, a cat, right? Okay, good. You know, cats kind of walk up to you and they kind of like rub up against you, like ah, oh, and they purr, and you're like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Get away from me! No, I'm just kidding. Well, this leopard. Remember, the truck's wide open, no doors. This leopard comes and rubs up against the truck and looks at this guy Jimmy right in the face. And he starts purring, and he's like, what? Why is it this thing, is it going to eat me? And he's like, no, he can't see you. He can't see you. As long as you're in this truck, he can't see you because all he sees is this one big thing. See, the enemy, he would love it. He's going to kind of brush up against you. He's going to try to put pressure on you. He's going to try to scare you. He says he's like a roaring lion. Why? To try to get you out. To get you out and to get you to over into worry. To get you into, well, how come it hasn't worked yet? To try to get you to doubt. Try to get you to fear. So what do you do? You get back into the name. You build yourself up in faith. Like we said in 2 Corinthians, we cast down, we smack down those thoughts, those things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Amen? So we know that the lions, they're paravisional, right? Now here's, here's our last one. This is what I want to get to. Lions are territorial. The enemy who is like a roaring lion, he wants territory. Real estate, what is the, what is the word they say uh, three times over? Location. Come on, guys. What do they say? Location, location, location. It's all about location. Why? Because you get more money if it's at the right location. The enemy, he wants that location of your thought life. He knows if he can get into your thought life, when he starts working in those thoughts, and those thoughts keep working, they're going to take root into your heart. And if they take root into your heart, then he's got your territory. Out of your heart is where all the issues of life flow. That's what the Word of God says. So the, the enemy, he wants to take your territory. Matter of fact, when, he, when this guy was on the safari, I loved this. He was telling the story. I was like, I'm getting so much good stuff out of this. He wouldn't even preach on it, but I was like, I'm writing this. All this is good. The guy's out there, and he, and he was <laughs> he went on this day hike. I don't know about you, but I don't know if I would go walking around with lions that are just kind of hanging out, and then elephants who can trample you, or rhinoceros, whatever. But they go, hey, let's go on this day hike. You know, okay, cool. And so they're over in this other area. It wasn't Blessing and, and Solomon. It was another group. And they were out there walking, and uh, the, the guys, the guides, they did not have any guns. He's like, um, why, why don't you have a gun? He goes, oh, we, we don't need no guns. We don't need any guns here. He goes, um, no, you, you need a gun. You, you need a gun. He's like, nope, no, we don't. He goes, let me tell you something. In his African accent, let me tell you something. When they come, you stand your ground. You do not run. Like, uh, okay, all right. Fair. That, that's good. Don't run. And he says, here's why. When you come into an area, you're going to come into an area, and you're going to see these lions, and the lions are going to, they're going to clack their teeth. They're going to, they roar. Remember what it said in, in our, our scripture, First Peter. It says he's like a roaring lion. They roar because they're trying to establish their territory and scare you off. 
The devil's trying to scare you off from what is rightfully yours. It's already yours. He's come onto your territory, and he's trying to take from you what's already yours. How can I say that? John 10, 10. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if something is working against you, something's bothering you, it's being stolen from you. You already have it. Well, well, well Paul, you don't really know. Um, I don't have it yet. Um, and I feel like I'm trying to get it. No, it's already yours, but you've believed a lie. You've been convinced. You've had a stronghold in your life that there's something that you're not doing that's keeping you from the promise. And it very well may be. And here's what that thing is. The enemy has deceived you, so it's time for him to deceive you no longer. Amen. And so they're out there walking, and as they're walking, suddenly, no lion, no lion, they're like, oh, wow, great. A huge bachelor bull elephant rolls up in front of them. Now you're like, why is he a bachelor? How do you know he's a bachelor elephant? Because uh, I watched the show, The Bachelor. He was, he was the one there. He jumped over the fence and everything. It was crazy. It's nuts. No, <laughs> actually. So a bachelor bull elephant is this. It's obviously a male elephant, and he had just been kicked out of his own herd um, by younger elephants. And so he's ticked off because he's got no family now. And he was also musking. What musking is is when they, they secrete this hormone, and it's a fight mechanism for elephants to establish dominance and he comes rolling up to to this group of people walking and he's like then he's like swinging his head and going all crazy dust flying everywhere and this guy with no gun mind you with no gun says hey everyone stand stand behind me gladly and he goes don't run he goes oh, i'm not gonna run i'm gonna offer you up as a sacrifice to the lord you know, <laughs> that's what I would do. I don't know if he did. That's what I would do. And he's like, hey, if I run, I don't have to be fast. I just got to be faster than you. So I, don't, you know, but anyhow, he didn't run. So they got behind the single file line, and he's like, and he starts charging them. And here's what the guy does. You ready for this? Here's what he does. And the elephant stopped. You're like, what? What is this, like the clapper? Clap on, clap off. You know, what's going on here? I don't understand this. And then he did it again. And he stopped. Boom, 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 boom. Clapped again. And he stopped and then ran off. The elephant ran off. And he's like, that was amazing. What, what is happening? He goes, he was just trying to see if I was going to give up my territory. See, the enemy, he's coming at you every day. It says that he comes at you night and day, and he's trying to see if you're going to give up your territory. Don't give up your territory. You've already got this. It says that he's given you every promise. It says that in Ephesians 3.20 that he is the God who does exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask, hope, think, or dream. But you've got to get yourself out of the stronghold. You've got to cast down those thoughts. Because the more you think on those thoughts, the more you're going to do those things. You see, a lot of times people think, well, I've got grace. I can go ahead and I've done this. I can't talk about you, but I've done this. I've gone and sinned knowing that I'm going to ask for forgiveness after I sin. Don't look at me all holy right now because you've done it too. Doesn't have to be a bad sin. It could be watching a show you know you shouldn't watch or whatever it may be. 
But see, that's not what grace is. Grace is understanding what he's done for you so much that you will never even think of doing that thing anymore because God sits on the throne of your heart. When he's in the first position, when he's in the first place, he's got territory, then everything else just falls away. It's like right now, if you have, if you have a car, a decent car, and I said, hey, man, I've got this bicycle for you. It's got 20 gears on it. It's amazing. You barely have to pedal. In fact, you start pedaling, and then it kind of keeps you going. It's got this little motor on the back. How about I give you that in place of your car? Some of you may go, okay, cool, deal. Your car's, your car's not very good. No. no. No, you'd be like, you're crazy. You're crazy, Paul. Why would I give you my car, my 10000 20000 whatever car, even it paid off? Why would I give you that for something less than what I already have? And that's how you need to see these things. Remember, it's our spirit that we need to be ruled by, not our flesh, not what we see, not what we hear. And we need to be like, why would I settle for something less when I've already got everything I need? Amen? And so that territory, it's your thought life. It's those things that are working at you, trying to get you off of what God has for you. Amen? Matthew 18 says it like this. He says, assuredly. I say to you, whatever, everybody say whatever. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You see, you have to believe that in your heart, and then whatever. You know what that means in the Hebrew and the Greek? Whatever. It means anything. It means everything. It means whatsoever if you're King James. Whatsoever you bind, that means things that you don't allow. Whatever you don't allow here, it's not going to be allowed there. Whatever you do allow here is going to be allowed there. So don't allow those thoughts to work at you. Don't allow those lies to take root in your heart. Amen? Uh, Next verse, it goes on to say this. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on anything, concerning anything, that they ask for it will be done by them by my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. That means God's here right now. Did you know that? And whatever you bind here is bound there. That's why it's so important to come on Sundays. But let me tell you something. Sunday is not enough. If you're coming here to get fed, you're not going to. You're going to be like, "Ah, I'm just not getting fed. Yeah, you know why? Because you're spending your whole week on this one little meal. This is something to start for you so you can continue to feed on this day after day after day. Because remember, if you only watch this or listen to this right now, you might retain 30% of it. But if you write it down, what God's giving you and the things that we're talking about, you're going to retain almost 65, 70%. But if you go and look over it the rest of the week and kind of just look in your notes on your phone or begin to speak on or listen to the podcast again, you're going to retain 95% of it and you can apply it in your life. You see, we're taking our territory back. Amen? Amen. Say, I'm taking my territory back. We're exposing those lies. Right? 
So here's one of the lies that we're going to expose real quick. This is one that I dealt with long time. Sometimes I still deal with it. And here it is. I don't deserve it. If you were honest with yourself, every one of you would be like, yeah, that's me. That's me. I know my heart. I know what I've done. I know what I've thought. And I don't deserve it. I don't deserve the promises of God. Guess what? Nobody does. There's nothing you could do to deserve salvation. Yet Jesus died for you in place of all of your sin. All of the worst sin ever. He already did it for you. So yeah, you don't deserve it. But guess what? Jesus says you do. Jesus' blood makes everything right for you. Amen? Here, here's the thing that I wanted, and you're, you're going to want to write this down. I've said it many times before, but I, wanna, I want you to write this down again. See, we know the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He always goes before God, always trying to work it at, at, against you, trying to tear you down, trying to destroy you. And the devil, he knows your name, but he'll only call you by your sin. You need to write that down. The devil knows my name, but he'll only call me by my sin. Just like in, in Exodus with Moses, he didn't, he didn't, you know, when God called out to him, see, God knows your sin. This is the second part. God knows your sin, but he'll only call you by your name. See, he didn't go to Moses and go, murderer, murderer. With that burning bush, he said, Moses. Moses, when he went to Simon Peter, he didn't go, hey, Simon, hey, person that's uh, swayed back and forth so easily. No, he goes, hey, hey, Simon Peter, rock this revelation. So it doesn't matter what sin has gone on in your life, God will never call you by your sin. He'll only call you by your name because he says you deserve it. Amen. Another lie we're going to just expose real quickly and then we're going to move on for sake of time is I don't have what it takes. I mean, you know, some of you guys could have been raised in a really good, uplifting, confident household and, and you know, you can do anything and you're amazing and, and that's awesome. I love that. I even had, I had, you know, parents told me I could do this and do that. But I didn't believe it. I didn't think I had what it took to make it in certain areas. There's a lot of areas I was like, yeah, I could do this. I'm going to dominate this. But I always seem to get so far, so far, and then I fall short. The devil said, yeah, you always fall short because you don't have what it takes. God says you already have it. Amen. Notice this. When the enemy went to, to Eve in the garden, the first thing he did was he challenged her identity. By questioning what God said. Did God really say? Did he really say? That's what the enemy loves to do is to get you to question. Let's go to Jesus real quick. When Jesus was baptized and then anointed by the Holy Spirit, says he went out into the wilderness for 40 days and he was tempted of the devil. The very first thing that the devil said to Jesus, if you really are the son of God, then do this. Remember, if, then, that's how we've been taught as, as children. If, then, 
if then, and that's good to a degree, but if it's challenging your identity in Christ, it's wrong. Jesus came back at him with the word. He cast down. He smacked down that thought, didn't he? He smacked it down. He says, yeah, yeah. He goes, hey, if you're the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. He goes, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. See, we've got to have a, such a knowing about the word that we know who we are in the word. Amen? And you're like, well, Paul, that, that, that's impossible. That's impossible. I can't possibly do that. Yeah, maybe you can. Maybe you get bombarded so much that, that you just can't really deal with it. But let me give you some encouragement. Matthew 19, 26 says this. Humanly speaking, it is impossible. This is Jesus talking. He goes, yep, it is impossible what you're dealing with. But with God, everything is possible. Say that with me. Everything is possible. You see, God wouldn't have put you here on this earth for this time if he didn't think you had what it takes. You've got what it takes. And you're here on this planet in this service today because God has a purpose for you so you can make a difference in somebody else's life. That's a great time to say amen, by the way. Amen. Let me tell you something right now. You're God's child. You're who God says you are. He says you're more than a conqueror. He says you're above and not beneath. He says you're the apple of his eye. He said you're sought after. He says you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You've got to start saying that about yourself. Get those scriptures inside your heart and say, I am more than a conqueror. I am God's child. There's nothing that I can do to earn his love. He already loves me. And there's nothing I can do to add to it. That's what it says in Romans. See, he's given you authority. He's given you all the authority. In fact, he says, hey, in Luke 10, he goes, look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because spirits obey you. Rejoice because your name is written in heaven. He's given you authority. You have authority to declare your day. You have authority to declare those promises that you've been believing God for that maybe haven't happened yet. But what you first have to do is expose those lies. Be honest with it. Expose those things. And then walk in the authority that he's given you. Amen. So as we close, I'm going to give you some things, two things that you need in order to overcome these lies with this authority in your life. Number one is this. Put God first in every area of your life. You've got to first. You can't put him second. If, if it's, uh, you know, March Madness right now and the basketball thing is, is first in your life, okay, you need, to, you need to rearrange the things. It's okay to watch the basketball, but put God first. Spend time with him first, and there's okay to have things as long as things don't have you, right? We know Jesus says, hey, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Here's what God spoke to Moses. He said this in Exodus 20. He goes, he spoke these words, and he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. See, he's already brought us out. He's brought us out of bondage. He's brought us out, and he's delivered us. 
And he says this, you shall have no other gods than me. We put him first. Amen. Number two, say no to the flesh. Everybody, say no. See, we say no to the flesh. What does, what does that look like? Yep, smack it down. Smack that thing down. I'm glad you've been listening, man. That's good. Smack those thoughts down. Smack those things down. Like, oh, you know you just wanted to go do that. Oh, you know, what's the big deal? It's just one donut, or it's just this, or it's just that. My thing is TV. If I watch one show, then I was like, if it's a season on Netflix, I'm in trouble. Okay? It's like, oh, man, that's such a good season. Oh, just, let me just see what the next one is. Oh, let me just, oh, I got to finish this one. You know, oh, wait, wait. And then it's like season three. I'm 45 episodes in. Like, what happened to my day? And so the Lord started talking to me. He goes, hey, you love me and you wake up every, I wake up every morning and I'm like, thank you, Lord, for this day. What are you doing in my life? I'm so awesome and excited about it. And I spend the time through him, but then I'll start watching a show, and it's cool. It's cool. It's not a bad show. I'm watching the show. And he's like, okay, hey, come, come spend some time with me. Hey, what about this? And he'll start talking to me like, all right, cool, God. I'll get to that in a minute. We've all done it. We've all done it. I'm just being real with you. I'm being transparent with you, okay? Because just because I'm up here doesn't mean that I got like some special holy light with me everywhere I go, and then I'm suddenly immune to everything because I got the pastor. No, I got a bigger target on me, right? Okay? <laughs> And so when I put the flesh down, remember it says we're not under any obligation to the flesh, right? We put that flesh down. I love what Paul said to the church in Ephesus. Church in Ephesus was the largest church in there. And they were hearing from God. They were seeing things happen. But they were also dealing with a lot of sexual sin, just like the Corinthian church. They were also dealing with a lot of idol worship. They were dealing with things in the church, you know, not outside of the church. This is in the church. People like sleeping with their in-laws and stuff like that, just stuff, you know, messed up stuff. And, and Paul says this in, in Ephesians 4, verse 22. He goes, strip yourselves of your former nature. The way you used to do stuff, he says this, put off and discard your old, renewed self. Like I came in here this morning, it was 38 degrees, 36 degrees actually, 36 degrees, 630 in the morning, got here, had a jacket on. Stayed covered up for a while. And I started getting hot because I was working, doing some stuff, and I had to peel my jacket off. That's what he's saying. It's that easy. It's not something that you have to like, oh, I've got to pray in the spirit for seven hours, and I've got to throw up a demon, and I've got to, no. He says, just throw it off. He goes, put off and discard your old, unrenewed self. He goes, it's characterized. Here's your old self. It's characterized of your previous manner of life, and it becomes corrupt through lusts. And desires that spring from delusion. Next verse. And here's, here's, how you, here's how you do it. Here's how you cast it off. Be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind. Having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. The only way you can do that is by the word. Next verse. Oh, that is all of it, actually. I was going to go into the next verse. So he says... And he says, to continue to build yourself up in the word, in praying in the spirit. It goes on and con continues to, to talk about that. So how do we say no to the flesh? We strip ourselves of our former nature, and we get renewed in the spirit of our mind. 
Amen? That's how we overcome these lies. We put God first in every area. We've exposed what the enemy tries to do, what he tries to work in, in our lives. And so we put God first. And then secondly, we put off our old self, our old habits, our old ways of doing things that pretend to be bigger and more powerful than God. Because, see, if you don't expose the lie in your life, if you don't expose that thing that's hidden in the dark corner, then you're going to continue to live with it and never get free. And what is that doing? It's setting yourself up for a faith failure. Because there's something in your heart that you've been believing God for that you want in your life. And you know that God's got it and it's promised and you've seen it happen in other people's lives. This is me talking. This is where I've been as well. And then God says, hey, just, just let go of this. Or, hey, just, just pick up this or just do this right here. If you will do those little things, if you'll just let go of the little things that God's telling you to do, no matter how minuscule they may seem, then you're going to see him open up in huge areas in your life. Amen? Amen. Well, if the worship team would come up here, there's something I want to do um, as we, we close this out. The very last part of this thing as we're writing our final note is this. Go all in with Jesus. So number one, we put God first. Number two, we put the flesh down. And number three, we go all in with Jesus. Romans 12 says it like this. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. You can't play games with this. You can't just kind of partially. You know when you're partially going in and when you're going all in. He goes, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. You see, there's something to responding quickly to when God's prompting you to do things. When God's prompting you to follow after what he's saying in your life. And he says, don't be like the culture around you that always drags you down to its level of immaturity. Because God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity. 